I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning how to stretch every dollar you've got. Our team at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com are working very hard to see that you have up-to-the-date information on how to handle every dollar you do have and how to stretch every dollar that you're using to purchase things. And I want to talk about purchasing right now. There's a lot of rumbling that we're going to have severe shortages of meat. The reason is, is that in meat and pork processing plants, people, by the nature of how those plants are designed, are working right on top of each other. And a huge percent of processing plants around the country have ended up with big outbreaks of coronavirus. And believe it or not, a third of all pork processing plants in the United States are now temporarily closed because coronavirus ran rampant in those plants. It's been not as bad with beef processing plants, but somewhere around 15% or so of those are now closed. So what it means is that we are going to see shortages of pork products and meat, and it will be exacerbated by people who panic buy in big quantities. But know that there's been a change that's been clear as could be over the last couple of weeks is people have had trouble getting some of the pork products and beef products that they've wanted. Amazingly, people who've never really been into trying the uh, fake meats and fake ports, porks are now doing so. The products that are made by Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger and other such companies that are making um, artificial meats, uh, artificial pork, that vary in taste and quality, I can tell you, although I really love Impossible Burgers. They are seeing big upticks in demand as people now have heard enough about them that if they can't find the beef or pork product they're looking for, they're sampling instead the alternative fake meats or whatever we call them. I don't know. Um, I don't know what you call a fake meat other than a fake meat. It is plant-based is what I'm supposed to say is the politically correct term, I think, for them. But I have had the opportunity to sample them and uh, for pork products, to sample them, obviously, for beef with multiple different manufacturers. And the one that I've really gravitated to is, like, if I'm at Burger King, I want the Impossible Whopper, not the regular. I like the taste of it better, and I don't know that it's necessarily better for me. The price difference used to be quite large. Now the price difference is much smaller with these uh, artificial meats or plant-based meats or fake meats, whatever. Anyway, and if you can't find the beef or pork you're looking for because of all these plants being closed, then maybe this is the time for you to try one of the alternatives. And if you try it and you're like, this is the worst tasting stuff ever, then don't ever buy it again. Uh, in terms of shortages, you know, we've been through the paper product shortages where uh, I noticed uh, in a story I read about truckers, and I want to talk about truckers at another time because what amazing 
work they're doing under very difficult conditions right now. But a lot of places that truckers stop for uh, to fill up their trucks with diesel or to grab something to eat are luring truckers in with every fill-up. You get a free roll of toilet paper. Every meal you buy, you get a free roll of toilet paper because that became such a powerful currency over the last six weeks as people had so much trouble finding toilet paper and you got to go, you got to go, and you might need that. And paper towels also. Well, I can tell you over the last 10 days, the severe shortage is over. There are still spot shortages, but I've been able to go online and find both paper towels and toilet paper, hit or miss, but without too much difficulty now. And from what I've read about the manufacturers with the capacity that they're putting out now and the fact that people did what they call forward buying of paper towels and toilet paper, that you're going to find that those shortages are going to lessen. One other area where there have been severe shortages is baby products like diapers and wipes, that kind of thing. And those shortages are also starting to lessen because when parents went in and saw shelves starting to empty out, they did a lot of forward buying or panic buying. And so it created a temporary artificial shortage because it wasn't suddenly like we had a lot more babies that needed these products but it was the patterns people were buying in. And as people bought enough to last month after month after month after month, it created no inventory for others trying to buy. And those problems are starting to let go as well. And we're going to find with the unusual circumstances surrounding having coronavirus hang over us that we're going to continue to have various things that will be in shortage. Apple has just announced that they're delaying their new wave of iPhones later this year because of all the shortages and products. You know, all the components come pretty much from China, and they've had a lot of shortages of those components. They don't think they can have enough inventory of the phones for launch, so they have delayed the launch at least for a month now. It could be longer if you're waiting around for the new it would be the 12 series iPhones. And we are taking your questions from me at clark.com slash ask. And then producers Kim and Joel are alternating asking your questions for you. Kim, what do you have? All right. Today we're starting with April and she says, my company laid us off about three weeks ago. They were approved for a PPP loan and now they're calling us back to work and they're stopping our unemployment benefits. However, they say in order to keep social distancing at work, they're going to stagger our shifts, meaning only four hours a day, and that's not going to be enough to pay my bills. Can I ask them to keep me on unemployment until I can work a 40-hour week again? What a great question. Actually, the law anticipated this for the temporary coronavirus booster shots to unemployment, and you were eligible for partial unemployment. So if your hours have been cut back, to half of what they would normally be, you still maintain eligibility for a portion of unemployment compensation. So in in the past, if you were working pretty much at all, you lost your money for any unemployment in most states. But now in all 50 states, you retain 
a certain amount of underemployment compensation, I guess we could call it, for being called back for partial hours. And depending on your state, your state's unemployment system may want your employer to file you as partial hours called back, or you have to do it yourself. And if your employer is clueless about this, go to your State Department of Labor website, see if you can find a briefing on partial unemployment, and see if your employer is the one, if they process, it processes much easier in most states than if you have to file for partial unemployment. Joel? Clark Laurie says, since I can currently take money from my 401k without penalty, would it be wise to make a withdrawal in order to pay off my home? Generally not, because you'll have to pay income tax as you normally would on that 401k. Mortgages tend to have such low interest rates today that that would not be a high priority. I mean, if you have lost all confidence in American capitalism, you're worried the value of your 401k is never going anywhere, and you'd rather not be in it, and you wanted to do a withdrawal, pay the tax, and pay your mortgage because you know that's a done thing and it's certain, you could do that, but that would only be if you've truly, really lost confidence in America's economic future. Otherwise, you're best to let the 401k ride through the rough times we're going to have, and it's going to be rough and choppy for a while, um, and let the mortgage pay out as agreed. Kim? Corey says, with all of the airlines offering travel vouchers for canceled flights, many of which have extended expiration dates well into 2022, I'm wondering if the voucher, vouchers can be utilized to purchase multiple flights or if they're a one-for-one deal. For example, I initially booked a flight to Minneapolis for $416, and now I could buy that current flight for 220 Great question, but I would tell you to do something else. I'll answer what you asked in a second. I would prefer that anyone who has been offered a credit by an airline, instead, as federal law requires, contact the airline back, and it's easier to do so now because the big wave of people calling airlines is now over, and tell them you would like a refund for the ticket since the airline canceled the flight. I mean, if you cancel the flight, then the airline's allowed to hold on to the money, as you described, but in almost all cases, it's the airline that canceled the flight, and you should expect a full refund. Then you have that 400 and something dollars to use however you wish. All right, let's take the circumstance. Let's say you canceled the flight and the money's sitting there. Now, my understanding of what I've read so far is that the money becomes like uh, almost like gift card money. So if you use so much towards one trip, you will maintain a credit of the balance towards other travel. So you won't be in a use it or lose it situation that the money has to be used for only a single flight. Joel? Clark Jerome says, I have a gym and a swim team that's asking for payment during this COVID-19 lockdown. In both cases, they're closed and the coaching and, uh, of gym and swim services are not being allowed and the gym and pool are completely closed. So I don't think we owe the money when the service isn't being performed. What's your take? I agree completely. And the, the gym and swim facility are both trying to stay alive and hoping that people will continue to pay 
monthly dues or subscription fees. And I can understand why they're doing it, but it's not wise for you to pay that money. We don't know how long it's going to be before people in large enough numbers go to places like um, like gyms, go back to swimming pools. And so we don't know how many are going to survive or not. If you pay money for a service you're not receiving, and even if they tell you it's a credit towards future months, and they don't have a future, you lose that money. Kim? David says, I believe my wife and I qualify for the stimulus money, $1,200 each, but we have yet to receive it. We did our tax return and got a refund in 2019. Do you have any idea why we wouldn't have received a check yet? A lot of people have not received money yet. So if the IRS has now revised its troubled tool at irs.gov where you can check on the status of your refund and it actually apparently is working now. So um, they, they readily admitted that their tool was defective and hopefully, crossing fingers, it really works now. One other thing that was a big warning that came out yesterday is there are a number of fake sites pretending to be the IRS that people are receiving texts and emails from to check on the status of your money. And what they're doing is they're actually engaging in identity theft with websites that look like the IRS website. You're giving up your social security number and other personal information to these fake sites, and then they're off to the races stealing your identity or stealing your money. Make sure you, on your own, go to irs.gov to make sure that you go to use the proper tool and not one of these fakers. It's time for today's Clark Rave. Instead of doing a Clark Rageous moment right now, we're concentrating on doing positive news in a time that feels heavy for so many people. And I want to talk about, in today's Clark Rave, how individuals and organizations around the country are doing so much to help each other by their own initiative. Here's a story about a guy named Ernie who lives in Alabama, and this was sent to us by a listener from Washington State named Sam, that his friend Ernie has been raising money and using his own money as well to deliver lunches to children in his hometown. He owns a pub. It's closed right now. He's using the space to prepare these lunches. He's giving out hundreds of them from uh, the local farmer's market and is reaching a goal with it's supplying him some of the food. And he's now serving 300 kids lunches. And you think about that one person who sees a need and that's hunger that people are experiencing and taking care of these children. I think that's absolutely great that he's taken personal initiative to make a difference. But wait, there's more. Do you know all around the country there are people who are joining these co-ops that are getting food and meds to the elderly? So it's something that people are volunteering their time. Typically, if they're still working, they're doing so on Saturday or Sunday. They get groceries for people 
who are uh, who they're connected with through a number of local organizations and they go shopping for people sometimes it's situations where they're paying for the groceries other times they're just delivering groceries for free that are being paid for by the elderly person it just depends on which charitable effort is going on around the country but i think about as we say that the elderly are much 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 greater risk from coronavirus and are having to shelter in place they may not have family nearby or whatever joining one of these efforts to get food to them is fantastic and again these are going on all over america find one where you can plug in and help my pleasure to welcome you here to the clark howard show where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off our websites clark.com and clarkdeals.com are here to serve you to stretch every dollar our hard-working writers are working shifts around the clock now seven days a week to give you the latest information so that you can hold on to every dollar you need to right now uh, last month I told you about moves by a number of technology companies that did a variety of things like uh, say they weren't going to shut people off for non-payment if you couldn't pay in the months, uh, month of April and uh, cable companies that have those ugly data caps lifting the caps temporarily, um, cell phone companies raising the amount of data available to you on your cell phone plan, etc. Well, April was not enough. So now a number of technology companies are starting to roll out policies of what they're going to do for people who can't pay in May. So now let me give you some examples. Verizon said that they're not going to terminate you or charge you late fees if you can't pay your bills over the next couple of months. So it's no longer just April. And AT&T said they're going to do so through June now. And Comcast is lifting data caps through June as well. So the idea, a lot of school systems will continue into June and kids on computers a lot doing schoolwork, hopefully, is what they're doing, um, that families have been blowing through those cable company-imposed data caps. So those are lifted right now at no additional charge. So in terms of late fees, the other cell phone carriers are doing that in terms of not paying and not being cut off no word on that yet and as companies offer more and more policies of accommodation we'll make sure you're aware of it this is not a get out of pay card you still owe the money later and for the um, 75 percent or so of people in, in the country who are still employed as you were before please continue to pay your bills as you have so that these companies can continue to offer accommodations to people who don't have their jobs right now. And 
want you, when you have a question for me, please, to go to clark.com slash ask, post your question. Normally, you would be scheduled to go on the air directly with me on the show. But for now, what we're doing is, so we can get as many different topics and issues addressed, producers Kim and Joel are alternating, asking your questions for you. And Kim, are you getting buzz from people that they would prefer that we go back to having the individuals actually ask their questions or how do people feel about what we're doing for now? I haven't gotten any feedback from people who are wanting us to go back to individuals asking the questions. So if you guys feel that way, please do reach out to Ask Clark. I would love to know where people stand on this. But for right now, all the feedback that we've gotten has been very positive because you've been able to handle so many more questions per show than normal. Well, you want to hit me with a question then? I do. I do. This is from Kathy. Kathy says, Clark, I'm a small business owner and I have my business account with a local credit union and they are not providing PPP loans. So I went ahead and I applied for a PPP loan through PayPal. I was surprised to find out that they pulled my credit score because I thought they weren't supposed to do that. I have great credit, but now I'm worried there'll be a ding on my report. Do you know anything about this? Yes, I do. So lenders are required to verify that you are who you say you are, and they pull your credit to do so, even though this is not based on you having a good or bad credit score or anything like that to uh, qualify for a PPP loan, you still have to have a pull on your credit. What I don't know if it's what's known as a soft inquiry or a hard pull. If it is a hard pull, it will lower your credit score probably about 12 to 20 points. So, and it's only temporary is an impact on the score. So I would not worry too much about that even if it is a hard inquiry if you've got a good rock solid score joel clark gaylene says it looks like our kids summer school program is canceled so do you have any recommended online or virtual education programs for kids they're ages 10 and 13 we're looking for a structured program and something geared towards stem also inexpensive or free would be great okay so um let me mention several Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y, has a lot of programs that are very cheap, plus a lot that pop up from time to time that are free. They're geared towards uh, principally adults, but a number of the courses, particularly the tech-oriented ones, are good for kids as well. Uh, Code.org, C-O-D-E.org, is another resource you can use. And MIT has a program, it's a weird web address, I'm going to give it to you twice, and think about it, your kid can always say, yeah, I attended MIT as a young kid, um, scratch, S-C-R-A-T-C-H, dot M-I-T, dot E-D-U, scratch, dot M-I-T, dot E-D-U. The third, uh, fourth choice would be Khan Academy, K-H-A-N Academy, and there are all a bunch of great free resources that help a lot with uh, learning to code, learning various uh, STEM functions, and this is a great way for a kid who uh, is technologically oriented to really 
get some serious knowledge that will be helpful for them for a long, long time. Kim? Frank says, I was originally planning to retire in 2025. My Roth IRA investments are set at a target retirement fund for 2025. Now I'm planning on delaying my retirement by about five years. Would it be a good time for me to sell my 2025 investments and go into a 2030 target retirement fund? If your intention really is to work five more years, that would make logical sense. What it would mean is that your ramp down of the holdings of stock in your target retirement fund would trend slower, obviously, than it would in the 2025. And so that would be a decent move to make. Plus, because the 2030 has been more heavily concentrated in stocks than your 2025, it means that you're likely, I'm I'm not a market timer, but you're likely to find that the value of it has fallen more during the decline in stocks than your 2025 fund, which means you'll be in a position for the ultimate recovery to benefit you more as you've got 10 more years of work in front of you instead of five. Joel? Clark, David says, you talk about paying off a credit card monthly to avoid interest fees, but I'm the type that wants to pay it off the very next day. Does that help me or hurt me? I think it's fantastic. It's a big help. Uh, When you say very next day, uh, do you mean the day the bill comes? That's fine. I pay as soon as a bill comes. If you want to actually manipulate your credit score higher, you monitor your credit card accounts online, and you pay your bill five days before the end of the cycle. So that it means that you're always reporting a much lower balance on your bill closeout day. Because even having someone who, like a third of people or so, pay their credit card bills in full every month, even doing that, um, your credit score is not based on the fact that you paid your balance to zero. It's based on what the balance was when the statement closed. So if you are somebody who's very conscientious about paying that bill immediately, pay it instead of plus one day, pay it minus five days before the statement closes. And that will give your credit score potentially a meaningful rise because 30%, almost a third of what makes up your credit score is how much of your available credit you're using. And that's a way to bring that ratio way down. Kim? Greg says, I hear people say that I should have three to 12 months of emergency cash on hand. I'm doing a good job with this, but what I keep missing is where am I supposed to park that money? I have eight-ish months parked in various bank accounts, and each one is making very little interest. Do you have any recommendations? Yes. Now, the online banks are the best place to be, but the rates they're paying right now or like all other interest rates, really um, dropping like a rock. And I'm looking right now to see, oh, I'm lying. There's still savings rates available at 1.5% or so. So you can still earn with an online bank. um, 1.7 is the highest in the country right now number paying 1.6, 1.5. 
So you can still earn a meaningful amount of interest using one of the online banks. If you go to bankrate.com, click on savings rates, and pick out one of those online banks and go for it. Joel? Clark Tate says, I've got a lump sum of money I'm going to put into my IRA for 2020, but you've advised in the past uh, to average those investments over, let's say, five or six months. Is that still your recommendation or should I go all in? So I actually like for you to go in over 12 months, just set up automatic deposits into your Roth IRA of $500 every month. And the advantage of that is you're building up uh, gradually over time, every month, automatic habit. And the psychological feeling you have, if you put in a lump sum and then we go into a big decline in the market all of a sudden, psychological impact is pretty significant and it can make people reluctant next year to make those deposits into that Roth. Um, Now, I'm talking psychological here. From a straight financial standpoint, looking over a working lifetime of 40 years, the earlier you put money in mathematically over the long haul, the better it will be. But the psychological with investing is really important. And that's why I like automatic habits, the automatic deposit of money every month, and doing the steady as you go, if you're doing the max into a Roth each year, of a flat $500 a month. Kim? All right. This isn't a question as much as it is a warning for people from Kevin. I was hoping that you could mention this work from home scam that's coming out in full force since the pandemic. If someone was to start looking for a search to work from home, they might find a job, get hired for the job. In particular, the one that I saw was involving collecting data related to the virus. The person is then sent $3,000 via check to be spent on a computer and other work from home supplies. And then the remainder is supposed to be sent back to the company. Sound familiar? The... The fake check scam just never gets old, does it, Kim? It does not. We're like 10 years into this now. For sure. So you get any check from some UFO who says it's for work, and you're supposed to keep a certain amount and then send them the rest. What's going to happen is typically in about six weeks, that original check will bounce because it is a fraudulent check. Anytime somebody sends you a check and says, hey, you got to send back part of it, you know you're going to get burned big time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I want you to post questions for me at Clark.com ask. 
Then producers Kim and Joel are alternating, asking your questions for you. And Joel, what question do you have for me? Clark, we got one from Arnold. He says, my cruise was canceled and the cruise line has not refunded my money. The insurance company has not refunded any money. So should I make a claim through my credit card company? So this is such a frustration for people. The cruise lines are all wheezing right now. Other than Carnival that got a bailout from the U.S. Treasury, uh, which was kind of shocking, the cruise industry is really short of cash, and they are taking their sweet time making refunds. The refund cycle is measured in many months, it appears, with the cruise lines. And the insurance policies are not covering this circumstance. So you, having paid for your cruise by credit card, you're right. The best tool you've got is to dispute the cost of the cruise with the credit card company. Now, you don't know yet how the credit card company that you charge this with will react. They may hide behind a 60-day rule and say, wash their hands of it and say it's been too long. Your claim with your credit card company, though, is based on failure to receive goods or services, which may, in fact, give you protection outside of 60 days. There's a lot of gray with this, but it's the best idea and best hope I have for you of getting a quicker refund. If the cruise lines make it, whatever cruise line it is you are owed money by, I believe you will get that refund. They're just being slow walked. Kim? Joshua says we're currently 10 years into a repayment forgiveness program with our student loan. Our loan has automatically gone into forbearance as per the CARES Act. Do you know if this is going to affect our ability to get the loan forgiven? It will not. In fact, this was accounted for in the rules and the legislation the months of forgiven pay or uh, vacations from payments, I guess we call them, through September, there's no interest that you will be accruing on those months. There is no um, uh, no late status for you, and those months count towards your 120 months. It is as perfect a situation as it could be for people in public service loan forgiveness as there could be. Joel? Clark, Mike says, each week I set aside a great deal of money for my flexible spending dependent care account. Because of coronavirus, I'm at home with my children and no longer use daycare. So is there any way to stop paying into the dependent care account or to have it roll over to next year? If your employer will permit you to discontinue, they are allowed to. Normally, once the you make the election for dependent care allowance, it is irrevocable, but because of coronavirus, if the employer permits, you can discontinue the contributions, and that's what you want to do. The podcast normally would end here, but because of the unusual circumstances we're in, we have additional content that we recorded earlier today that I'd like you to have access to. And this will continue day by day as long as the events warrant. What if you're flat tapped out? This is a question that I'm getting more and more. What do you do then? What are the priorities? And if you feel like you have to borrow money, 
how do you end up not being taken advantage of? The reality is, more than anything else, you want to avoid the snakes out there, the payday lenders, the in states where permitted, the car pawn title loans, where you pay massive percents of interest measured in hundreds of percent to get access to money that is short-term money, in many cases, money that you are only borrowing weeks at a time within massive new charges if you have to, quote-unquote, as they call it in the lingo of the rip-off lending market, roll over that loan where you're typically paying 390 to 800% interest. Now think about it. I talk about mortgages at 2 and 3%, car loans at 2 to 4%, and then credit cards that range from 7 to 32%. And now we're talking about loans that charge high 300% to 800% interest. So I know that desperate times mean that somebody who says, here's the money you're looking for, that we grab for it. But I'd like you as much as you can to take a deep breath, take another one, take another one, and don't give in to the instant temptation to take out that payday loan or that car title pawn loan. Now, speaking of pawns, if other borrowing opportunities are not available to you, something that most people really have no connection or experience with can be a much more favorable environment to borrow in than things like payday loans. And pawn shops are a potential good opportunity where you put up an item as a pawn and you're lent money typically up to 50% of what the pawn shop thinks they can actually get for that item. The interest rates are much more favorable than they are under other other conditions. And if you are still employed and you're out of all other ways to pay bills, a loan from a 401k that I'm never excited about, but a loan from a 401k would be preferable to the very ugly things that are out there for borrowing. Even a cash advance on a credit card would be preferable to going to one of those places like a payday loan. So think about what ways you have that are potentially available for you to free up cash. And if you're at a point that you're desperately thinking about things like payday loans, you probably already have cut every expense out of your budget you possibly could. But again, take the time to think through every possible way. You could free up cash or borrow money more effectively than you could with the ugly payday loan. And here's something else I wanted to talk about today. One of the effects of coronavirus has been to cause what's known as the rotation in capitalism to magnify. You know, in capitalism, you continually have businesses 
that are born, new industries that take life, and older businesses and older industries that shrink or go extinct. And what coronavirus has done is it's put a lot of those changes on fast forward. And I think about one of the things is look outside during the day, and if you live in an area of the country where air pollution has been a problem, the air is clear as could be compared to normal. And one reason is obviously how much less driving people have been doing. But even as people have been driving more in the last 10 days, the air has stayed really clean because the use of coal in the United States has collapsed. And coal was already in steep decline, but now coal is no longer economic. And various factors of what's happened with coronavirus have really undermined any marketplace reason for coal to be used as every other form of energy is now a lot cheaper than using coal. And with so many factories having been on shutdown, it meant that coal plants were the first to be shut down, and many of those are never going to restart. And then department stores that had been long wounded and headed more and more towards extinction, the coronavirus thing has really had the effect of destroying the possibility that a lot of these department stores would survive, a lot of clothing retailers, a lot of malls are going to cease to exist in their current form because of coronavirus. And so there are so many facets of our lives that are going through change much quicker than they likely would have otherwise. And we are going to see a very different economy on the other side of coronavirus than what we've had to right now. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.